We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Bray, to this Thursday, which means it's time to join Supermac and Gibbo. How are you, lads? I'm good, good mate. I'm good, yeah, good stuff, good to see you, as always. Plenty to talk about for the next hour about Newcastle United, despite the fact there's no football and international break is on. And boy, do we need it with all of these injuries. Oh. And uh, Tom Dixon got in early with a question. Uh, he said, uh, question by Malcolm and John. With Wilson missing for possibly another six weeks, which means Isaac has all the work to do on his own. When he's back, do you think we will go for another striker in January? Don't forget tonight, get your questions in, folks. Uh, we'll try and get through as many as we can. So, striker, will it be a priority, John, do you think, in, in January? It's got it's got to be a priority. Um, bless him, I've always been a big supporter of the ability of Callum Wilson. His ability is huge. And I've always said if he had the ability to stay fit, he could challenge to become a member of the number nine club in Newcastle. That's how good he potentially is. But quite frankly, for me, yeah. it doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't play, consistently don't play because of an injury, then you've got to look at the situation all over again because in this... At his age, at this stage of his career, it's not going to get any better. His injury record isn't going to improve. It's going to stay as bad as it is or gets worse. I mean, he was brought off at half-time. Uh, Gareth Southgate loves him. Eddie Howe loves him. But, I mean, it, it is a nonsense. I mean, Gareth picked him for this international and coupled picking him with the quote saying he'll almost certainly have to withdraw because of injury so why pick yeah. him and he always has to withdraw because of injury if i always felt that newcastle if the ball to center forward would have to buy a teenager or somebody on the wrong side of 30 who was willing to be number three behind wilson and isaac you know what if we buy a striker now, we won't be number three because Wilson doesn't play enough. Isaac's record isn't great physical, physically. I mean, he gets injuries. He's a super player, but he gets injuries. And we have resorted in the last few games to playing either Gordon as a false number nine or considering putting 
Joe Linton back in a position where he flopped when he first came to Newcastle. That's how badly off we are. And and we will remain like this. This fella is going to be out till the end of December, which means out of the Premier League charge, out of the Champions League trying to qualifying, out of the League Cup tie at Manchester United. It's a massive swathe of games to lose, which will determine our season, those games. And it's happening all the time. And I don't, but I cannot, I cannot. We've got to go and buy a striker in January. And the striker can come here because he can he can fight for the number one job. He's not going to be number three automatically because Wilson doesn't allow you to make him number one permanently or number two permanently. You've only got Isaac and, and he is a wonderful player, but he's susceptible to injury. We are too vulnerable at centre-forward. Yeah, and, and John, really, this, this is all... Um too late it should have happened last uh close season oh sure sure but i mean now you're absolutely right malcolm then then we're not needing a striker any more than we needed one back last summer no we're not apart from the fact that i guess if you're looking at belt and braces and you're absolutely right malcolm but i, I guess you can say if it's, it's confirmed now isn't it that wilson is going out more, is getting injured more and mm. more and more. And hamstrings do that. I mean, hamstrings yeah. take out repeatedly, repeatedly. And yes, the writing's been on the wall for some time. But this latest injury, out of nothing, just goes to show at the same time as Isaac, where we're playing with a, you know, a number, a false number nine which means Gordon is taken out of his wing position or Joe Linton is taken out of his midfield where we need them to play as a centre-forward. And we can't continue like this. They are two good goal scorers. They've both been in the top goal-scoring list in the Premier League at the start of the season. But we can't rely on either of them to stay fit. And, and that is a major, major problem for Nika. Now, it's a very difficult position to buy in in January, Malcolm. As you know, centre-forwards are gold dust. They, they, they cost three times any other position. And mm. finding them in January, a club willing to sell in January when they haven't got much time to buy a replacement, as opposed to the summer, is very, very difficult. But whether we get somebody on loan or we we'll buy somebody... We can't afford to go the rest of the season relying on Wilson and Isaac because they're unreliable, bless them. Mm. Yeah, lots of issues at Newcastle, not just the striker, unfortunately. We're, uh, yeah. we're really, yeah, really off struggling. Over, in the summer, we overloaded ourselves on the left-hand side. Um, and mm. even that's going against us now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we've need, we need... We have needed a strike, a, a, a third striker for some while now. Yeah, uh, we do. We do. We um, unloaded we ourselves a fullback, really, Malcolm, didn't we? We unload, mm. we overloaded it fullback, and and but we've left vulnerable positions like a centre yes. forward, and it, it's come home to roost now. It, it really, really has. But we've got to bite the bullet as much as we love Willock. Uh, sorry, not Willock Wilson. As much as we love Wilson. And I love Isaac. I think they're two cracking strikers. But um, Wilson in particular is not around long enough. In how many games will he play in the season for the rest of his career? 
Mm -hmm. He plays half the games that the, his club play. So, what yeah. do you think about this one from Stephen? He goes, question for John and Malcolm. Do you think the youngsters like Anderson, Miley and Willock are going to be resentful of Tenali for maybe forcing the club into spending big on yet another midfielder, uh, which will force them further down the pecking order? Um, he said, there have been rumours of some rumblings in the dressing room. Uh, could that be the cause? I mean, you know, Newcastle are going to have to bring somebody in to replace Tenali as well, John. That's that's another department yes, where you think, you know, where you think, well... We can't play this player now till August. Um, you know what? What? What's the situation there? So yeah, yeah I, I get I get Stephen's point because if Tonali does come back and play for Newcastle in August, we've got no reason to suggest he won't. But footballers do that. don't, Steve. Footballers don't think that like that um, because because players come, players go, uh, yeah. and and so you have to have a mentality where where there's always going to be somewhat of a turnover of players. Whoever is there, you have to get out on the on the pitch and prove to be better than the others to get your place in the side. When you prove that and, and you're not picked, okay, that's a um, that's a real argument to have with the manager in his office. But um, uh, but it, proving yourself to be the best will get you in the team. No matter how many other people are there in competition with you, so I, I think uh, I think the stronger the the stronger the squad is, the more it's going to bring out of players like Miley. He's going to get better and better and better because he's 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 having to compete with much much better players. I think there is a diff there is a difference between replacing Tonali and getting someone in for Callum Wilson. As far as getting someone mm. in for Callum Wilson's concerned, that will be permanent. You will buy a centre forward to be permanent. Newcastle United are looking for a replacement for Tonali, primarily on loan for the rest yes. of this season. Yeah. And then you know, like taking Phillips from mm. Manchester City. If Manchester City would sell him to a rival, uh, would let him go on loan to a rival. But the idea principally is that Newcastle would take a player on loan for the rest of the season to cover the period when Tenali's missing in the main. I know he misses the odd game at the start of next season. But the idea would be we take a midfield player on loan. So at the end of the season, when Tenali's going to come back, that player will go. Um, but with the centre forward, it would be a player. Yeah. Training, of course. Yes, yeah. Uh, but yes, but with youngsters, the greater the competition, the bigger the challenge to them. And, 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 and what you're looking for is players who can actually overcome that. You look at the, you look at Man City at what's going on there. And they've, they've, they've been bringing on absolute quality in their youngsters Foden is the prime example absolute prime example if if they didn't have all those fabulous players in the squad would Foden be as good as he is right now and I don't think he would be it's the it's the challenge that if your challenge is up there right up there then you're going to you've you've got to get to that level to compete with with who's there and get yourself into the side. 
and the higher the challenge the the better you'll become mm. it's uh it's it honestly i i've never known an injury list like this john and in all the years you oh. covered newcastle united on the on the no. black and white beat can you remember it, one as bad no. as this it, it is absolutely incredible. And it seems every day that goes by, there's something else. I mean, this casual mm -hmm. thing of, of Callum Wilson going off at half time and would he be right for the next game? Would he be okay for the... All of a sudden, he's out the, the new year till the end of December. Yeah. And, yeah. and everybody that's out, they're not out for one game. You know, they're not out for Saturday, but they'll be all right next midweek. They're out for an eternity. And they're going to be out for, and not only have we, and then we just learn by accident, not only have we got a situation where we've got Callum Wilson out until the end of the year, the only guy that's going to come back at the end of this international fortnight, Jesus, all the rest are still out. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we learn now that Sean Longstaff this fortnight is struggling with a, with a ankle injury. So when he struggles with an ankle injury, does that make him doubtful for Chelsea? Or does it make him doubtful for the Christmas party? I mean, I don't. The people are out for an eternity now. It is absolutely. I mean, we've got a no. full team of injuries. A literally a full team of injuries. It's incredible. Yes. I, I, um, and and you say about us having a, a sort of glut of of, of injuries. Um, that there's got to be a reason for that, and I've been and I, I, I've sort of looked very carefully, and I, and we we play a very fast, high tempo game. It, it's a it, it's a top rate all the time, um, and I and I think that it's taking its toll. That, we did it last uh, we did it last year though, Malcolm, and we didn't get all these injuries. Yes, yes, but the thing is that it it. it that over the months it takes its toll and, and it's and it's all now sort of crashing and burning. I mean, some some have been freakish, like um, Dan Burns' back injury when he fell from a, oh, yeah. a great height and he did um, Elliot mm -hmm. Anderson who got a back injury while not playing. Yeah, the thing is with Dan Byrne, he couldn't he couldn't fall from a low height, could he? <laughs> no, no, sort of permanently no. up there. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. But there are there, there's be and you know it, Harvey Bonds, toe injury. Something went under his toe. For goodness' sake, I mean, mm -hmm. you know how yeah. freakish, how freakish can you get? But I, I take your point, Malcolm. It's it's happening so often. I think this is either the biggest fluke of all time. Because yes. we've got 12 injured, long term injuries, and that's what staggers me is that mm -hmm. they're all long term, they're not like yes. I'll miss two games and I'm back. It's like right. and, and, and that's why I think that the, that the clubs, uh, medical pe people, fitness people, they should all be getting together and looking very carefully at just what the general flow of injuries are or is um and is it being caused by the kind of football that's being played because if newcastle are playing this very high tempo game on match days they're doing it in training as well so it's happening five six days a week is is that actually proving to be uh physically beyond them that that, that they've done it for uh, for, for over 12 months and now it's taking its toll 
I, I would be amazed if knowing how thorough Eddie Howe is and how thorough yeah. United are, I'd be amazed if, if they haven't looked into this recently, in any case, to see whether there's any connection. Because Eddie is now just about on his bare bones. I mean, Bournemouth, mm. Bournemouth was just a game too far. I mean, a week before that, we played Arsenal off the park in a high, high tempo game and were yes. terrific. And then we go out at Bournemouth, who had lost five of the last six, our relegation fodder, our poor, poor, poor side, that under normal circumstances we would blow away without any problem. And we were second best. And But for Nick Pope, it would have been a handful of goals they scored. Um, and we were just absolutely a game too far. So we're going to a break. The break's going to get us back Isaac, but nobody else. And we're now worried about Sean Longstaff having an ankle injury. Um, whether Fabian, any... Fabian Cher was left out of the uh, Swiss squad last night. He Ab hasn't travelled back. He was, and then we worry because we've got Bruno and Trippier and Joe Linton, etc., etc., away with the international squad. We don't know what's going to come back from us there. I mean, it is getting as ludicrous as it's possible. I mean, we went to bone. We've been playing two goalkeepers on the bench and, and, and about five academy players, you know, and yeah. it, it's getting quite, quite, Silly and a bunch of teenagers in the starting lineup, like Lewis Miley and like um, Hall, and you know it is getting to and and starting um, Richie, who we almost forgot. Bless him, he was worse. I mean, there's a throwback to the old days when mm -hmm. Richie suddenly appeared in the starting lineup at Bournemouth. Um, it is getting to be the bones, the bare bones time. And um, it's very worrying because by the time all these guys come back, if they're not coming back till towards the end of the year, we could be out the League Cup, out the Champions League, in a cut adrift in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, things change quickly in football. They certainly do. The injury list is, is, is ever-growing. It's going to get better. We know that. You can't just go and buy players who then aren't going to be getting a game when these other players come back in. I think, I, I, I'm trying to think on the positive side, lads. You know, I always do. Could the class of 2023-24, you know, you know, go on to emulate the team uh, that we, we managed to get from the class of 92? You know, the, the likes of Lee Clark, Robbie Elliott, Steve Howie, you know, all came through. Alan Thompson in, you know, in, in weaker times at the club. Lewis Miley, you've already said Malcolm is going to go on, and you know he's he's, he's he'll have learned a lot. He's made his debut in the Champions League. Mm. He's made his debut in the Premier League. He hasn't looked out of place. Um, you know you, you've got Dylan Stevenson coming through. Um, you've got more than more than enough of these players who who may well get an opportunity over the next four or five weeks. Those players should be looking at their, this this now as their big opportunity, not only to. You know, to to, to con you know to, to cement their place at Newcastle United, but to cement themselves as, you know, as as potentially top class footballers, and we might just see one or two breakthrough. Mal, it's 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 not it's very rare that you get a crop oh, yeah. come through, because the class of '92 at Newcastle and Manchester United came through at the same time. It would be great to think we'll get a few coming yeah, through. But, here, but when you think, Steve, that um, 
that the, the number that have broken through already. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about fullbacks. Uh, um, uh, we're talking about midfielders that have come through and, and played games. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of young lads coming in, making their debuts. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, you can only have so many players each year. So it, it, it uh, um, so if, you know, if, if, if Miley is getting in at, at 17, then uh, he is 17, isn't he, John? I think. Mm -hmm. Yes, he is. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, uh, you know, the, you, very, very, very rarely do you can you consider anybody who, uh, of sixteen years of age. I think Wayne Rooney. Um, there's there's another lad, isn't there, um, who, who's recently um, come through and is and is playing in the Premiership. Um, oh dear me, who, uh, who is it? Uh, oh, anyway, mm, go on. Sorry. The interesting thing, and you know, I'm, I like the optimistic mood that Steve's taking there, and and it's good. And I would like to think all the kids would come through, but there's a price to pay for them coming. You, you know, the the sadness is that all the injuries is fortunate to be now, and I think no doubt we've got kids like Miley and like Hall, and I know we've brought them in. And like Liverpool, who are going to be absolute superstars, but the the shame of it all is with the injuries, it's going to cost us this season, isn't it? Having made three steps forward last season, we'll have to take a couple of back this season because of the injuries to go forward again. And when Clarkie and a few of the guys were coming through in the in the previous days, if you remember. They came through in the second division with Ozzy Ardiles, who put all his love in their kids. And yep. these kids become superstars. But when the first come in the side under Ozzy, we were heading for for the third division. We were in the second division mm -hmm. for the third division. And then the new manager come in, the things changed, the guys continued to come through, and there were superstars. But at the time... I mean, you know, at the time that Ozzy was playing the kids, Ozzy got the tin tack because we were one step off going into the uh, into the division below the championship. Um, and the shame is, I have no doubt that whether we have no injuries at all and we're able to field our full team and set of subs or we had loads of injuries, nothing's going to stop Lewis Miley coming through. Because he's he's absolute quality and he's a kid and he will shine and come through, but I don't want it to be where he's forced to play the next six games off the belt in the first team when sure. he's perhaps not quite ready for that because of it, yeah. the choices. What what you find, John, is um, and I certainly um, experienced this as, as as a manager because you put you put youngsters into the side and and. And watch them very, very carefully. And and and, and what I found, and 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 I see it happening elsewhere, is that youngsters they come in as kids, and and they give it their all, um, and it's quite exhausting, both physically and mentally, because they're they're all of a sudden at a totally different level that's entirely new to them, um, and they and and they're having to. Uh, they're having to take in so much information 
um, all the while and, and learning every, every step of the way. Um, and what you find is that they actually physically and mentally burn out after about five or six games. It's all too much. And what I used to do um, was uh, I would take, I would play them for six games, the youngsters, and then I would take each one out after six games, leave them out just for three weeks or so, and and what it gave them a, a, a chance to happen is that all the tumblers in the head that have become a sort of mishmash, they all fell into place. And I will bring them back into the side. And they and that was when they, they, they matured and they started playing the first game as a kid. And then when they came back for that second time, they were adults. They were adults and everything in their heads had fallen into place and they were much, much better players for it. Um, you can't keep playing youngsters because they, they burn out as much between the ears as they do, as, as they do um, in the legs. Is Calvin Phillips the answer, John? Uh, Craig Lee doesn't fancy him, but quite a few people do. And uh, and you've already mentioned, you know, Pep Guardiola did come out in a press conference this week. He was asked if he would consider loaning him to a, a premiership rival. He said, I, I have no issue with that. He says, but um, he says, I tell, you know, the, the, you know, I tell the people who deal with transfers what, you know, what I'm happy with. And, you know, they, they act accordingly. So Phillips needs needs game time. I mean, he's been selected for England despite the fact that he's not playing regular first-team football. But is he the Callum, answer? Short, Callum, is he, Wilson is he? Was, Callum Wilson was selected for England despite the fact that he had no legs to run on. <laughs> I mean, and Maguire was... It, uh, Southgate is Phillips the answer? Is Phillips the answer short-term? Well, the, the, simple answer, the simple answer, and it's really another question, Steve, is which Phillips are you going to get? You, if you get the Phillips from Leeds, he's off worth signing. If you get the Phillips yes. from Man City... You're that's a great way of putting it. Great way of putting it. Because, yes, when he was at Leeds, I would have taken him any day of the week um, and, and, and put him straight in the side. But things have gone wrong for him at Manchester City. He, he, he just hasn't made a mark no. on the club there at all, has he? Um, and, so, and and quite what that's done to him um, physically because he hasn't been playing, but what's it done mentally? It's, uh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Malcolm. From the top of his game to the bottom. I can understand where the guy's coming from that says this is just me that doesn't fancy Philip. I've got question yes. marks against Philip. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's a very good point that he makes. Yeah, I don't know which one would arrive at St. James's Park because yeah. he, he hasn't just been out for about half a season or something. He, he's how long's he been at Man City? This must be this is played, his second season at least. He's played two it? about two games in two years. Yeah. yeah. So you know yeah. what are you yeah. going to get? And if if we are getting somebody in to replace Tenali, and only on loan, and he's going to go at the end of the season, the one thing we're not going to have is is time to give the guy like we were giving Tenali, mm -hmm. like time to come through. This whoever we get in's got to hit the ground running and make an immediate impact. Not an eventual impact. And I don't know that Phillips is in a situation to make an immediate impact. Yeah, and yet the irony is, 
ever. The irony is that um, in all this time, that uh, he's, he's still being picked by Southgate for the England squad. Well, so was Maguire, and I know Maguire's come back into it now, but so, and as I said, he just picked Callum Wilson for the squad that is now in-house, This and he did a rider saying, but I picked him, but I don't think he'll be coming. Remember, because he blew it. We were still wondering if he was going to play at Bournemouth when, when Southgate announced he was going to pick him for England, but he would probably have to withdraw through injury. So we knew immediately, thanks to Southgate. But what on earth was he doing picking Callum Wilson when he knew he was going to have to pull out the side? Um, yeah. Yeah. He does pick... You, have you noticed, guys, he picks... Once you get in the England side under Gareth, you have a heck of a job in England squad under Gareth. You have a heck of a job getting out of it. Getting out. Because yes. he just picks you, he picks you and picks you and picks And if you're a yes. newcomer, if you are you're not playing. Oh, if you're Anthony Gordon or if you're Sean Langstaff, you kind of get in the squad because he doesn't yes. bring new players in. Yeah. But if you're an old player, you kind of get out the squad because he just keeps picking you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is. It's interesting. We're halfway through the show, guys. Uh, keep your questions coming in in the chat if you want to ask Malcolm and Gibbo tonight's the night because, uh, as I say, international breaks, we're, we're never struggling for things to uh, to talk about, but you uh, you can control the narrative. Here's the ad. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website, skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky Sources, handmade in Cumbria. You can find out more about them from their website, mrvickys.co.uk or by calling 01768 Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And thanks to United Group Travel, UK coach holiday firm based in Mortmouth. There's no strangers on there to us, just people you haven't met yet. They're now taking bookings for 2024. You can call 01670 632 460 0791 4174 or 07957 141 654 or go to the website unitedgrouptravel.com. Please subscribe to the channel. Hit the subscribe button underneath the video today. We still do seven shows a week. Hit the thumb up under the video to like it. It does us a big favour. Click share to share to your other social media and let people know about NUFC Matters. We're also a podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. If you want to help the show financially, you can take out a £25 one-off membership. You get a scarf, a pen, a cup and a membership card. How do you get it? Go to nufcmatters.com. Look for membership. If you've got a smartphone, then put your smartphone over the QR code and it will take you straight to that section on the website. We also support the food bank on this channel. You can donate to the food bank today by going to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk. We do support events on this channel as well. If you've got an event, please send it in and we'll promote it. The Time Theatre and Opera House are doing a Keegan, Beardsley and Waddle event, the Class of 84. 25th of January 2024. Book now by calling 08-44-249-1000. And the Tyneside Irish Centre, they're doing an event with Frank Clark and John Gibson on Thursday, December the 7th. You can get tickets 
from nufcmatters.com and they are priced at £15. There's also some uh, tickets available on Groupon. Don't forget, you can catch me five days a week, Monday to Friday, with Rye, Dave and Daz on the Northeast Footy Brecky Show, 7 till 9, and you can catch us on The Red, The Toon and The Cat and on Toon Radio's website. What's up us on the day? 033 043 2002. The perfect way to start your day. Welcome back to the second half of the show. Just want to talk about Frank Clark. You've got that event coming up, John, at the uh, the Irish Centre. Uh, what can people expect from Frank on the night? Well, I mean, he's, he's a very special guy with something of a unique uh, record. If you, I mean, he played something off the top of my head, like some like 478 games for Newcastle. He's the fourth highest number of appearances in Newcastle United's history, which is absolutely phenomenal. He was there for a decade and a half. And, and you know what's unique? He won the European First Cup with Newcastle. Um, and over a decade later, won topped that by winning the European Cup with Nottingham Forest. Now, not only did he win the top two European trophies, but he won them with two clubs which are not regulars on the European um, honours board. Newcastle United have won a European trophy once in their life. Forest under Cluffy was suddenly like a, a big sparkler going off on on bonfire night and then never heard before, never heard since. And he was part of those two sides, which is quite unique. Now, if you then think, why should I listen to, to Frank and what will he bring to a show or what will he bring to a discussion? Think of this. That's his playing record. He then was an assistant manager at Sunderland. He was then a manager of Nottingham Forest, where he was voted manager of the year, the year that they, they come up in the, into the top division. So he was a player, and he, and he also managed Manchester City. And like Norient. Yes, he did, but I wasn't... I didn't think they justified the great mention. Oh, You've got to start somewhere, John. You have, mate. You have. Absolutely. <laughs> you're right. But the interesting thing is how you name me players that had this record at one club. He's played for them. They've won the First Division Championship, the League Cup, and the European Cup. And then he's managed them. And then he's been that chairman. And then he's been the ambassador. He's done all that at Nottingham Forest. I can't think of another person who at one club has played for them, managed them, and been chairman of them. All in, in, in mm -hmm. one in one thing. And, of course, he was the um, vice chairman of the um, League Managers Association. So his record is quite phenomenal. I've been talking to him this week and... Um, because of the, the gig we're doing, but I took the opportunity. There's an article which has probably gone online on the Chronicle website as we speak now and will be in the Chronicle tomorrow where he's talking about the current Newcastle United team that he's been watching. And it's particularly fascinating what he's got to say because he was he was at the club, Steve, as chairman yeah. when when uh, Jamal Lascelles was coming through. 
And and he's a he's a personal friend of Jamal Lascelles, and he was he's saying how thrilled he is for this lad who instead of spitting his dummy out when he went out of the Newcastle side, I mean he Benitez had made him skip. Eh? He was the top man under um, under Steve Bruce because there was limitations to what Newcastle side was in those days. But he was all that, and then all of a sudden, he's he's out of the team. And he's a reserve, and he's allowed to go if he wants to go. But he says, "No, I'm going to stay. I'm going to fight for my place. I believe in this club. I believe in what Eddie Howe's trying to do with this club." And he stays. And all of a sudden, out of that, an injury comes along to Sven Botman, and lo and behold, he's captain of Newcastle United on the field when they play in the Champions League for the first time in twenty years, in on the night with Paris Saint Germain, etc. So you you. I mean, Frank is absolutely delighted about that because he, he was one of his boys at, at Nottingham Forest and he, mm. he felt he had to leave Forest to have any idea of progressing. And when it happened to be Newcastle, Frank's old club, he was absolutely de delighted. But he is a good raconteur. Nobody knows him better than Malcolm, who played alongside him and was a very good pal. Lunch with him every day through yes. the week. And he was a good pal of yours. You went for lunch together at the milkmaid, if I remember. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, um, and you all, I think you always said to me, and I'm handing over to you here, you, you always said to me that throughout your career, in terms of defending and defending only, there was nobody better as a defender. Absolutely, John. Absolutely. And he had his own way of doing it. Um, what... What I always found a great irony was that he was never a favourite player with the Newcastle crowd. The reason That's for funny. that is that they wanted people sliding on their backsides, sliding tackles and and, yeah. and sort of skidding off the pitch, uh, and having knocked a ball out for a throw-in and what have you. Frank just stayed on his feet. You never saw Frank go down on his backside. And of course, um, and I think it was Brian Clough who said, um, if, if God had ever um, decided that um, uh, footballers uh, should actually uh, be skidding all over the place on their backside, he would have put studs in their bums. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, that, was that was typical Cluffy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and, and Cluffy was a great one for defenders staying on their feet. Um, and and so, it, it, Frank, he, he didn't become a favourite with the crowd. He was the best defender I've ever played with. And he, that's so Macaulay. That's so Macaulay. Yeah, but, and he, he, I've seen him put great wingers constantly in his pocket. Um, yeah. And, and they don't, they, they couldn't get crosses. It, it, and he just waited and waited and waited with the patience of a saint until that ball was just an inch too far away from the guy and he would just nip in, get it. Thank you very much. Um, but it, it, just, just, I've, I've just had a, a thought that always makes me smile about Frank. And it, we were playing Doncaster Rovers. Um, oh, yes. I think it was in the uh, in the League Cup, and we were I think five nil up, 
and and Frank got the ball and 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 he really didn't like crossing the halfway line too much. Um, but anyway, over he went and and he even got pretty near to the opposing penalty area and the ball came to him and he controlled it and had a shot. And I think I, I could scratch my head and think, well, did I ever see him shoot at goal? And I don't think I did, except this one night, and it went in the corner. And we and that put us six nil up. And we have just rushed to him, and he stood there with his arms in the air, with a big grin on his face. It was his first ever goal, and. Um, uh, 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 and he was sort of coming towards the end of his career. He's certainly well into the second half of it, and um, and 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 we got there, and we we hoisted him up, and we put him on our shoulders, and we were carrying him around the ground. And anyway, when when the referee got it, got it all calmed down and was able to restart the game, the Doncaster centre half he said, "What the bloody hell was all that fuss about?" He said. He said, you, you were 5-0 up, he makes it 6-0, and you start carrying him around the pitch on your shoulders. I said, yeah, but I said it was not only his first ever goal, it was his first ever shot. <laughs> it was amazing. I remember the next home game, Malcolm, and you're absolutely right about all of that, obviously. I mean, you were literally there. But, I, I mean, the next home game, I'm on the pitch with Lord Westwood and I'm presenting Frank with a silver salver to mark his goal the next time Newcastle played at home because it was his first. He must have played about 400 of his 470 yes. games. And never scored, yeah. And got his first goal. And um, But, you know, you look back, he played 400 odd, nearly 500 games for Newcastle. The vast majority, if not all, were under Joe Harvey. Joe Harvey picked, built three separate sides. He built the the promotion side, the second division champions of '65. Mm -hmm. He built the '69 European Cup winning side, and he built the '74 FA Cup final side. Three separate sides. Frank Clark was in all three of those sides. All three, and well yeah. deservedly so. Yeah, that shows. That shows what. Yeah. Thanks about. I'm looking forward very much, Steve, to him coming up. He's coming all the way up from Nottingham because he wants to be part of our Christmas celebration, if you like. He's coming all the way up from Nottingham. It's the night we play Everton away, uh, which will be live on the telly. It's in the Irish club, as they, they do. That will be live on the telly as well. So the combination of Newcastle winning at Everton, because they will, Mm. Frank Clark coming up from Nottingham, and me coming down from Puddy should be quite should be quite a night, and I'm yeah. looking forward to it. It'll be terrific. And the one thing, John, um, and and what I what this is why I I so enjoyed being in um, in Frank's company that whatever Frank talks about, he talks in such an intelligent way. Yeah. Uh, and I and I'm always fascinated to listen to what he what he's got to say, because you know that he is talking absolute total common sense. 
He doesn't get carried away in any shape nor form about anything or anyone. He just sees it for exactly what it is, how it is, and says it. Uh, and uh, and I've, I always found him fascinating company, a, a really good um, listen whenever he, he, he actually got talking. And he, he's got a... And he's got a, a terrific memory, of course, which will match you, John, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. On, on stage. Uh, and uh, uh, But he's very erudite um, and, um, and, and, and will always tell a good tale. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be a good great stuff. show. Well, the tickets are on sale. Uh, you've got to get yourself onto Woucher. I've stuck the link in the chat if anybody wants to go. And as you see, you've got the added bonus of watching Newcastle's game on the big screen in the Irish Centre as well. So tickets are £15. Get yourself onto Welcher and uh, you can buy them. Links in the chat. I uh, hope to see as many people there as possible on the night. Okay, we've got 15 minutes left. Let's get back to a few of these questions. Tom Dixon, I'm going to ask you uh, this one, lads. He said, Malcolm and John, would you be happy if we got knocked out of the Champions League and went into the Europa League? Um, for me personally, I'd rather get out of Europe ASAP. My, my, my hopes... For this season, John, are that we can somehow manoeuvre our way past Chelsea in the Carabao Cup and get back into the semi-finals. Why does Steve? Why do supporters think this way? I really don't understand it. I want to win a cup, Mal. I want to win a cup. But but players just don't think like that. They focus on the next game, whatever the competition that it be that it will be. Mm-hmm. They just focus on the next game and look to do the very best that's possible. Get, get themselves into the fittest and best state, ready ready to go and win the game. Um, what you're saying, though, Steve, what, what you're saying... Because we haven't won a tin pot since 69. Newcastle United fans would love to see them win a cup uh, and, and, and we just came so damn close last year and just missed out. And... You know, we've, we've beaten Man City, we've beaten Man United. If we can beat Chelsea and get into a semi-final and maybe take on, say, Borough, it would be great to get back to the final What's in wrong February. with Bordeaux? What's wrong oh, with Bordeaux? I fancy, a, I, fancy, I fancy a tiny tease, don't we? But, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. John, I know you're with me. You you want to see... You, you keep saying you want to see Newcastle win a trophy before you... You know, oh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm just desperate to get the the monkey off our back. That we've got. Yeah. Um, by the way, having said all that, I don't see how we can't stay in the Champions League and still win the League Cup. I mean, I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket, but I I know where you're coming from, Steve. Um, I mean, we're going to have less of a squad for a Champions League game than we are for a league game because Matt Ritchie and Kraft aren't in the Champions League squad. So with all the injuries we've got. You can take those two off as well. Um, yeah, so that, you know we, we are we are Champions. going to be we are going to be struggling in the Champions League. Make no. Oh, I think I think we'll yeah. struggle. We'll struggle to stay in the Champions League because we've got Paris Saint Germain away, and now a different team at home to away from home. Paris Saint Germain, and then we've got uh, AC Milan, and that might be for qualification for the Europa League, yeah, of course, because the winners of that might be the team that go in the Europa League by finishing third, fourth goes nowhere. By the way, if we go in the Europa League, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because we've already got Liverpool in there and it, it and we could 
we could theoretically go in there and so could Manchester United from the Champions League. So it could be an interesting Europa League. Yeah. But I mean, if we beat if we beat Chelsea at Chelsea, they ought to close the League Cup down and just give it to us straight away and let us come <laughs> up. While we're in London, we should be able to go to the Football League offices, pick up the trophy and bring it back here. And while we're on the way up here, we can organise the bus tour around the city to take the cup. Because if you beat... If you beat the European champions, Man City, the the current uh, holders of the trophy, Man United, and then Chelsea, who are emerging, by the way, is a much better side after being joke, an absolute joke. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, they got a 4-1 win at Spurs. Yes, they were lucky. Spurs went down to nine men. Etc. Etc. But they still won four one, and that four four Man City is one of the greatest Premier League games I've seen. The last time out, the four four, it was a wonderful entertainment uh, game. So they're not the mugs they were a month ago. So it's it'll be a tough old time. Though funny enough, guys, I'm happy to be playing down there. You know, their records better on the road. We'll have a tougher game with Chelsea up here a week on Saturday than we will have down there in the League Cup because they struggle at home, but they're, they're quite decent away. Um, yeah. It's going to be hard for us, but by Jove, we've done, we'll have done. Last season, people said that we played nobody in the League Cup until we went to Wembley. Well, we've played everybody in the League Cup this season. Uh, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And not only are we playing them, but we're, we're having to go away to Manchester United and away to Chelsea. But, yes, I do want to win a trophy. For goodness sake, I want to win a trophy. Uh, I've waited so long that, um, you know, I, I was a little boy when we won a domestic trophy, literally a little boy. And I was a young buck trying to make my way in my profession when we won my last trophy, which was the first cup of 1969. Now, all that team, Frank Clark, are all old age pensioners. And I'm the only journalist still working that was that was in Budapest when we won the trophy. So, I mean, how, how, how ludicrous is that for a club Newcastle side size? Yeah. We are going to win loads of things, but I tell you what, I want to win them now because I'm sick of waiting and I want to make certain that the big man doesn't take me upstairs before we win something. So I want us to get on with winning something. Let's do it as quickly as possible, guys. Sounds good, John. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely does. It definitely does. Okay, um, lots of people asking various questions. Uh, we'll try and get a couple more. Tim, he says, uh, Gibbo, what's your favourite gin? And has he had a pomada? Well, um, before I tell you what my favourite gin is, I'm waiting for the advert people to come in and give me a couple of quid in my old age to advertise their gin. So I'm leaving it open at the moment. I just enjoy <laughs> a gin. Actually, it's not a gin. It's a glass of water with a lemon in. No, it's not. It's a gin. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Gordon's an interesting one. What would you do in Anthony Gordon's shoes? Would you consider choosing Scotland if England ignore you? Because there is rumours that uh, Steve Clark is after Anthony Gordon, Malcolm. Um, 
because he hasn't gone to uh, he hasn't gone on he hasn't gone with uh, the England squad and and he was ignored once Wilson was pulled out. So, I mean, he's another one. He's chased Elliot Anderson. He's chased Harvey Barnes, and now he's after Anthony Gordon, Steve Clark. I but, mm. but I tell you what, before Malcolm answers that question, may I add? By the way, does everybody's grandma used to be Scottish? I, I mean, so. it, it was Jack. It was Jack Tarleton who started taking everybody that had a pint of Guinness in Dublin. Yeah, when, when he was the Republic of Ireland manager and playing them for the League of Ireland. Yeah. Now it's everybody's grandma. Who, turns out to have been Scottish. Now. It's ironic that the two people running the Scottish side, Steve Clark and John Carver, both used to be coaches at Newcastle United. So are they targeting Newcastle United? They started off by wanting Elliot Anderson because of his grandma. They then decided they wanted Harvey Bonds because he once paid a visit north of Hadrian's Wall. And now, not only are they supposed to be considering Anthony Gordon, Steve, but they're also considering Tino Levimenko. Oh, yes, it's another one. Yes. Levimenko, yeah. Now, I want to know why that they're not trying to get Bruno from and Joe Linton from uh, Brazil to come over and play for them and anybody else. It's, it's, absolutely, it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I don't blame... Steve Clark, by the way, he's done terrific with Scotland, but mm -hmm. there's only you can only go so far with the players available to him, and and therefore he's got to look as Jack Charlton unashamedly did with the Republic. I mean, there's going to be more English players playing for Scotland than there is Scottish players playing for Scotland <laughs> shortly if they, if they all agree to go over Hadrian's Wall on block. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if I was Anthony Gordon, I wouldn't go and play for Scotland because you're going to play for England. If, if, if I was... You really uh, think I, so, John? Sorry? You really think so? Well, I think he's got a chance. I think Elliot Anderson's got a chance. Not necessarily automatic, but a chance. But I, if I was Harvey Barnes, I'd go and play for Scotland because uh, Harvey Barnes is 25, mm. 26, with one England cap. And he's going to, you know, and when you look at the people in the wide positions with Foden and uh, everybody else in, in Grealish yeah. that plays for England, I would go and play for Scotland if I was Harvey Bonds. Sure. Uh, I would like to think that Gordon, who did so well just earlier this year with the under-21s, when he was voted man of the tournament when they won the, U the Euros at his age group, has a chance of, of, of playing for... Um, Playing for England, playing for England, yeah. But I mean, the way the way it's going over under Cardiff and under Carver and under Clark, I mean, I could play for Scotland because I'm having a Gordon's gene. That that comment reminds me um, of one of the stories Malcolm tells actually, uh, Gibbo, when he does the talkings with you. Um, Valentino Libramento, solid Scottish name there, and it uh, reminds me of that story you like to tell Malcolm about Gordon Lee. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. About um, your name. Well, he, he came in. He, he came in the dressing room, the Gordon Lee, um, uh, and uh, and he he wanted to know if um, uh, I'm I'm just trying to think who the, who on earth the player was. Aidan um, McCaffrey. Oh, Aidan McCaffrey. Yes, he came in the dressing room and he said, "Hey." 
Um, and Aidan McCaffrey at the time was 18 years of age playing centre half in the reserve side. And he came into the first team dressing room. Aidan McCaffrey was in the other dressing room with the reserves. And um, and he said, um, and, he, and he's asked us all in the dressing room, is Aidan McCaffrey Irish? And um, and we've all looked around and we've gone, no, nah, he's not Irish. No, he's a Geordie, Geordie born and bred. Um, and so got and, 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 and so we said to Gordon Lee, why do you want to know if he's Irish? He said, I want, I'm thinking of nominating him for the Irish international team. Um, it, are his grand, are his uh, parents Irish? And we've looked around, we've gone, no, they're not Irish either. They're Geordies born and bred. He said, how dare he have a name like Aidan McCaffrey and not be Irish? I said, oh, don't be so stupid, Gordon. I said, my name is malcolm ian mcdonald you can't get a more scottish name than that and i play for england and he said you should not play for england with a name like yours and the room went silent and then tommy cassidy suddenly popped up and he said uh, uh excuse me boss but uh, could you tell us how many times have you played for china <laughs> yeah. Brilliant story. Oh, Cass, he he it, it's so sad. Um he's not very well these days at all. But he had such a brilliance um in in coming out with one liners. Um and he used to have the dressing room howling. I mean, the, the interesting thing in that was a lovely, uh, the guy that ran along the bottom and said, you know, Le Flamenco, what a lovely Scottish name. Yes. But I mean, Valentino yeah. Le Flamenco is a lovely English name, isn't it? It is because he's playing for England. It, 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 uh, it yeah. because of his dad, of course, is what was he? Portuguese or Italian or whatever he is. Italian. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes, Italian name, yeah. isn't it? Yes, it's absolutely Italian. Italian. But um he's yeah, got a yeah, real, he's got a real chance. There's another one that could easily pay for England not having to go to Scotland, Livermanco. I mean, um, yeah. because because of the quality he's got, the, the quality is um wonderful. Uh, he yes. is a good, good player. Well, yeah, because um, I, I remember um, one of my old players at Fulham, Ray Houghton, and he 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 was selected by Jack Charlton to go with the Republic of Ireland side, and and he, and I remember him um, coming back and saying, uh, he, he said I expected it all to be Irish in there. He said, and there were as many Scotsmen in there in the dressing oh. room as there were Irish. I mean, when when Big Jack was was manager of the Republic, and I mean, I went over with them um, to America when England didn't qualify for the World Cup final with Jack, and that was I think the only Irishman in the squad. I think was was Roy Keane. I mean, even yeah. the manager was a Geordie, and everybody else had passed through <laughs> and had a had a beer in Dublin, and therefore qualified for the team. I mean, they did, a, they did a wonderful. They must have spent half the time Monday to Friday in the library in Dublin, looking up the ancestry of everybody that played football in England and wasn't in the English squad yeah. to yeah. 
to be able to say, well, we can nick him and we can nick him and we can nick him in the dead. And they could look for them under the way the rules are. That applied. And I mean, the biggest evil, if you go to Ireland, the biggest evil in the Republic is Jack John. Football. Jack John. Yes. And, and, and also uh, lesser he heroes are those players that he selected. Correct. Correct. They had such a brilliant record together. Um, and I mean, the, the wonderful thing with Jack, you know, Jack was a lovely man. I knew him so well. But he was slightly on, shall we say, the tight side of life. He was slightly on, I mean, you know, when you buy a suit and you, your pockets of the suit are, are sort of um, uh, sewn down and, and you open them up when you get the suit. He never opened them up. He left them sewn down. He didn't have any money at all. Well, the whole time I, I was with him at the World Cup in America, he used to come in there. I used to go into the bar in the restaurant for dinner and get myself a little could it have been a gin a little gin before we went for before i went into dinner i would suddenly hear this voice behind me saying gibbo mine's a guinness gives a fag and it was jack coming in wanting a guinness and a fag off me and i used to say to him jack you're in the fortune i'm a poor hack you're in the fortune as a manager of a world cup team are you going to buy a little drink for me? And some says, no. Nah. He said, no, no, no. You're all right, son. You're all right. Give a fact, man. Hell and, he, and I used to have, I used to have a fact with him. And when I, back, I said, can we go out and we'll talk about the World Cup? Can I, can we have it over lunch? And he said, yeah. He said, will the Chronicle be paying, uh, Gibbo? I said, no, no, the Chronicle won't be paying. They won't pay for, for us to have a, a, a piss up and a, and a, a good lunch, etc., etc. We're just doing it as mates. He said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. He said, we'll go to Harry Ramson's and have fish and chips. I said, why? And it turned out Harry Ramson's um, uh, sponsored him. So he went to Harry Ramson's because he could eat for now. And Harry Ramson's went for now. Well, Absolutely typical of Jack. No, I mean, uh, in what he did, when he became the superstar that he became in the Republic, taking them to World Cup finals when they had no right to be there, it suddenly dawned on him what life was like because he went in this pub in Dublin one day and he said, one is up a tab. And he said, okay, Mr. Charlton. And he had a, this, that, and the other. And they were in the tab, one up and one up. The end of the night, he says, I must owe you. There wasn't the um, the credit cards and all that in those days. And they said, you owe us this much money. And he said, right. And he wrote them a check out and gave them the check. Now, that was never cashed because the barman yeah. framed it and put it behind the bar. The <laughs> Republic of Ireland hero was in my bar, and here's a check. And Jack, it suddenly dawned on Jack, if I keep giving checks, all these pubs will put them up behind the bar <laughs> to say I was here. So he never had to pay for anything. He Brilliant. wrote a check, and all the checks were behind the bar all over the Republic of Ireland, and Jack was was happy as Larry, like. Lovely, lovely man, got a lot of time for him, and uh, all the memories come flooding back this week because it was... Bobby's funeral, bless him, this yeah. week, as we know, at Manchester yes. United. And uh, my personal memories of working with both Jack and Bobby, wonderful, wonderful times, great, great players. And what for both of them to play in the World Cup, England's World Cup mm -hmm. winning side? A, a couple of brothers from Ashington. 
hey, we've yeah. been blessed up here with the best. Yeah, you couldn't make it up, John, could you? Uh, it's it's absolutely wonderful. Happy days, happy days. Great place to finish, lads. Um, and uh, thanks, as always, to everybody in the chat. Thanks to the moderators uh, as well in the chat. We will be back next Thursday. But for now, it's good night from me, good night from Malcolm, and good night from John. I'm back five o'clock tomorrow with the three amigos. Take care, lads. All right. Take care, Take boys. Care, Have a good weekend. Bye now. Thank you.